Glad that you're able to be with us this morning. Uh, as Antonio said, I'm going to launch a brand new series uh, called Better Together. And so over these next several weeks, we're going to explore this idea of pursuing biblical community. Uh, we're going to define some things. But the key thing, if you remember, going back to the first of the year, these words that the Lord sort of gave us at the start of the year, one of them was community. And we felt like we needed courage that we explored in our last series, and we need community. In other words, we need each other. And so we hope to answer some questions over the next few weeks of why is it that we need each other? Why, why can we not just go it alone and everybody do their own thing? And how is it that we can actually accomplish more together than we can individually? And it's actually not even uh, addition, it's actually multiplication. So in other words, if you could measure it in a very scientific, graphic way, if what I can accomplish is represented by one unit and what Dave can accomplish is represented by one unit and what Stephanie is, is one unit, when we add those together, the result is not three because it's multiplication. What we're able to accomplish together by using all of our gifts, by exercising all the things that the Lord has deposited, cooperating together, unified around uh, the mission that we all have, the result of that is exponentially more than what we could accomplish each on our own. Um, to start this series, we're going to look at a familiar passage. Basically, we're going to go back to the beginning, the beginning of the church. We're going to look at Acts 2, and we're going to see that basically the birth of the early church. And I love, um, if you want to go ahead and turn there, we're in Acts 2. Um, we're just going to read the latter part, starting in verse 42, um, to kind of kick us off. But I love the, uh, the, 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 you know, they have the little subheadings often in your Bible. And uh, this one simply said, um, the believers form a community. The believers form a community. And uh, that's really what happened. But as we know now in hindsight, that was actually the birth of the church of Jesus Christ, of which we are still a part. In other words, the ministry and the church that Jesus instituted at that time has continued through all of these centuries. And, and we like to say here, our, part of our, our call and our purpose is to continue the ministry of Jesus. In other words, what he started, and, and we know we could go look at the passage in Matthew 28, where just before Jesus ascends, he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations and teach them these things and baptize them. And like that's like his parting instructions, because what he came to the earth and started, he's given to us to continue until the day when he comes back again and brings a close to this age and, and finishes all things. All right, let's go ahead and jump to Acts 2, 42. First Bible pages are still sticking together. Here we go. Verse 42 through 47. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, 
And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Well, this passage of Scripture comes, if you were to go back and read the earlier verses, right on the heels of um, what we'll celebrate a little bit later in the year, uh, the Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost and all the things that surround that event, and then um, Peter stepping out and and preaching this tremendous sermon. Um, and it's sort of right after that experience that we that we find this passage where it says basically as the Lord had come and moved and 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 saved people they be, it became necessary for them to be gathered into a community. I don't know if you have thought about it this way but really this whole Christian life that we're a part of is is not an individual sport. There are certainly individual aspects to it, right? We, we would never expect you to come be part of this community and not actually have your own personal, uh, individual relationship with the living Lord, Jesus Christ. That, that's key. It's key that you have your own experience. So we don't want to ride on the spiritual coattails of those around us. You can know the Lord yourself. You can have an intimate relationship with him yourself. But we also need each other. We need to come together in a community to accomplish the things that Jesus has called us to. As you know, I like to do, I want to spend a little bit of time kind of defining our terms. Because one of the things that I expect is going to happen as we go through this series we're looking at the, the birth of the church. We're looking at the idea of community. But in going back to the beginning, what's also going to help us look forward. We're going to look to our roots and we're going to uh, revisit those things which are foundational for us, which are of vital importance for us, and we're going to allow those things to help inform our future. As you know, we shared several weeks ago, we're going to begin having conversations and, and dialogues around clarifying and, and, and helping us all to be unified around a mission and vision and values. And not that the things that we've been about will fundamentally change, but we just want to, we want to bring things into a clearer focus. We want to unify around where it is that the Lord is taking us in this season and, and how does our mission and vision uh, reflect our movement towards that. And so the best place in my mind to start with that is to go back to the beginning. What are the foundational things? What are the things that don't change? You've often heard it said that if the gospel is a timeless message, it never changes. And, and we know the Lord does us. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. But our methods, our contextualization, the way that we take this timeless message and actually get it out 
to a hurt and dying world. The way that we accomplish that is constantly changing. I've mentioned to this, this to you before, but you know, we are uh, still, I would say, in the midst of the biggest communication shift. If we could zoom out to a much wider uh, picture of history, the last 50 years have changed the way that we as humans communicate more drastically in a short period of time than any time period probably in the previous 500 years. That requires us to consider our methods because one of the primary ways, now granted it's not the only way, one of the primary ways that we do our mission is to communicate. We, we like to say that we must proclaim, we also must demonstrate. So there's this element of the way you live your life and and uh, inviting people into an experience with God, but it's also communicating. How, how, do you, how do you approach someone in the first place? How do you start that conversation or that dialogue with someone with whom you feel led to share the good news of the gospel or the hope of salvation? Um, and we're not going to dive deep into that this morning, but those are things that we'll uh, explore over time. I want to go ahead and first define for you in the most general sense, what is a community? A community is a group whose members have something in common. It's as simple as that. And you know we refer to ourselves as a community all the time. Peoria is a community um, because of our uh, geographical proximity. Um, and, and you know how it is. It, it's often not... Um, you might say you're from Peoria and you might not actually live in Peoria proper. You might live in... Peoria Heights, or or just outside, uh, you know, but we still identify with this geographical location um, and say that well we're we're part of that community. Um, in the same way, the church body is a community, and even in a broader scope, the the what we will often call the church universal. Basically, ev every believer uh, anywhere on the face of the earth who is a follower and disciple of Jesus Christ, is, is a part of that community. Uh, you will often hear uh, people in uh, professional settings, you know, belong to a, a trade association, or perhaps if they're like an attorney and there's licensing and things, so that makes them part of that community because they have that in common with other members of that community. But... For the church, if we stop there, it might leave us feeling like we're nothing more than a social club. You know, we're just, yeah, we, you know, we didn't really have anything better to do, and we kind of like these people, so we're going to hang out together, and uh, we'll talk about the Bible, and, you know, that, that can be a shared interest. Well, I want to I dig in a little bit deeper and explore. We hear all through Scripture that, well, let me stop and clarify this. Because there, there is often, you know, the place that we meet. We all know the church is not a building, but the church is a building, right? Like, but, but what we're talking about today has nothing to do with the place where we meet. We're talking about the body of Christ. That is how it's referred to in the scripture. We're e we are each members of his body. Uh, and so that's what we're, we're defining here this morning. If you were to look into the original language... The word that church body uh, is rendered from is ecclesia. 
And ecclesia, if you were to break it down into its parts, means the called out ones. <coughs> In other words, we, the church body, again, I'm not even referring just to our local context. It's all believers in Jesus, uh, his disciples, his followers. I, I, I'm trying to be precise with my language because uh, it's more than just believing that he exists. It's being his follower. It's being his disciple. It's saying, you, Jesus, are Lord of my life. You're, 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 I surrender to you. Because there are many people who might recognize that Jesus exists, who might not question that he is who he says he is, but that's a very different thing than being his disciple. And so looking at this idea of being the church body, we are the called out ones. Well, that to me has in its wording an essence of mission. Like why would you call someone out if there wasn't a purpose for that, there wasn't something that they were uniquely positioned and qualified to accomplish. And that is what I hope to explore as we go through this series. When we talk about pursuing biblical community, it's not just about how do we be a good church. It's not even about how do we reach our larger community and have influence. And we, we want to do that. That's really important. But if we are to be a community that is about the mission and purpose of Jesus, we need to figure out really clearly what that is. What is it uh, in the broad sense? And what is our unique part and place in fulfilling those things? That, let me step back and say it this way. I would propose to you that we can't be a truly biblical community unless we're actually doing our mission and, and making steps towards fulfilling our purpose. So for me, pursuing biblical community is about that pursuit of pursuing the purposes of God in the broader community. And how do we do that in a way that's healthy, in a way that, that multiplies, multiplies our efforts, again, by... by uh, sort of mixing all of our gifts and abilities together? And how do we do that in a way that obeys and is pleasing to the Lord? That's what I hope to uh, explore here today. One of the keys uh, that we're going to explore, hopefully in more depth, but I'll just kind of give you a, a brief overview now. It takes all of us. And this is not, not a surprising statement to you. Uh, but but it takes all of us because not only that multiplying effect of the results that we see when we when we come together, but actually my gifts are more fully on display and more effective when they rub elbows with yours. And my ability to hear the Lord clearly and know and understand what he's saying is more acute when I do that with you. Whether that's in the large group like this or two or three of us having a cup of coffee or 12 of us in a small group on a weeknight, the more we get together and pursue these things together, 
we will all be more effective and we'll also be more encouraged. We'll sharpen each other as we pursue things together. We will, we will be ourselves encouraged in the same way that the Lord desires to use us to bless others. As I've explained to you before, as that blessing comes through, we will realize that we are blessed in the process. And so as we come together, as we follow the Lord as he calls us out, it's going to take all of us. Now, this would be a really easy place to, uh, to start giving you a list. Well, here's all the things that we need done in the church. Here's all the areas where we need some volunteers. And don't get me wrong, I have those lists. They do exist. But, here, but here's my, my point, and not that we won't ever uh, highlight specific needs to you and invite you into them. I, I don't have a problem with that. But what I truly, truly believe is, rather than me just highlighting a need and saying, you know, can't someone please step in and, and fulfill this need? I want to focus on helping each of you tap into what are the areas that you're passionate about. What are the needs that you see as you look around and you think, you know, well, you know, they always do thus and so, and it's just, you know, it's fine, but it's, you know. What things do you notice that you can do something about? Sometimes, and I'm, I, again, I'm not trying to make a total blanket statement, but sometimes a little bit, uh, and you have to check your attitude, only you can discern that. But sometimes a little bit of holy discontent about something is because you're actually positioned to do something about that thing. You might actually be tapping into the surface level of something that you're actually passionate about that might be that's an area you would explore serving in. So, so my point is, I fully believe in my philosophy of ministry as a pastor, I, I, I have all kinds of vision. I could give you all kinds of lists. I could come up with volunteer things for far more people than we have. And then we could go about trying to recruit people to do those things. But I think one of the ways that we follow the Lord is we trust that he has brought us the people we need to do the things that he's called us to do in this season. And as we get ignited, as we explore passions, as we figure things out, I truly believe that if everyone here is activated and, and has the right seat, we used to talk about it this way, you know, sometimes you're thinking about like teamwork, you know, so we, want, we get, get everybody on the same bus, you know. Uh, well, not only that, we need everybody in the right seat on the bus. We need the right people in the right seats, and we're all going on a journey together, but we need everybody in their right place. And I'm just convinced that probably far better than I could do it were I to make lists and manipulate and recruit and whatever, the Lord has us covered. And I've always sort of had a philosophy, you know, and, and I'll, some of you may have experienced this already, but I'm just going to give you a warning uh, right now for the most part. If you come up to me with the next greatest idea for some ministry or something that we should do in the church, I'm probably going to be really excited, and then I'm going to ask you, how can we help you get started? Right? Now, that's not always the case, but most of the time it is. 
Because here's the thing. Again, my primary job is to equip all of you and to, and to pastor. Now, does that mean that I don't do ministry? No, absolutely not. I have my own purpose, my own call. I'm, I am part of you in that way. We, we, we are equal. I like to think of the role of pastor as, as first among equals. It doesn't mean that I or anybody else who operates in that role is, is in an elevated position. I do have a role of leadership, so I often will have to go first because you, you, you can't lead if you don't take a step out and, and go first. Hey, let's, let's go this way. You know, But it doesn't mean because I'm superior. It's a first among equals. We are all part of the body of Christ. We all have importance, and your importance is never equated to how much stage time you got. Right? Your importance and your place and your role in the body of believers is not in any way connected to how visible that role is to the rest of the body. As a matter of fact, some of the least visible roles are actually probably the most crucial. This is one of the reasons why I've called us over this 40-day season to a time of prayer. Because some of the things that that happen in those interactions when there are few of us gathered and nobody's watching, those things I actually believe are crucial to our success. If we are a church that believes that if someone comes up to the prayer line on Sunday morning and we can pray and ask the kingdom to come and see them healed, we believe that prayer works in that way, should we not also believe that when we gather on a Tuesday morning or, or before service on Sunday or even in small group, and we ask the, the Lord to come and break through and do something in our community, do we not also believe that works? Do we not believe that he's actually wanting and desiring to come and, and to do those things? That he actually wants to indwell us in a way, both individually all throughout the week and then as we come together, come and meet with us in a way that as new people come in, they recognize, okay, this is not like the other social settings I've been in. Like, yeah, these people like each other and they get along, and you know, but there's something, there's like that X, X factor, you know, it's like there's something else going on here. This extends beyond just a group of people coming together for an event. Something about these people is different. Well, of course, as we're defining this morning, we'd say, yeah, we're, we're the called out ones. We're, we are the children of God. And, and we don't say that in a way that means, you know, just us here at Vineyard Peoria and we're, we're, you know, we're, we're it and we're special. I do think we're his favorite, but I would tell every other church in town to say the same thing. So that's totally fine. If, if if you're catching on to, to, to what I'm driving at, it would be easy to think that as we're talking about this pursuing biblical community, it's going to be a lot about these are the things we need to do. And I would challenge you to consider it's really more about who we're becoming. It's really about who we're becoming. And we will all individually become more who God created us to be 
as we pursue that identity collectively together. There's something about stepping out and trying things. I'm just going to make this statement, uh, and you can agree or disagree. Maybe it's been your experience. Maybe it hasn't. But this church community, this gathered group of believers, should be the safest place to try and fail, to experiment, to to share things, um, even things that might not line up with our beliefs. It should be a place that we can share that and be vulnerable about, hey, this is where I'm at. This is what I think, you know, and, and be open to let the Lord change that. But we shouldn't be, the church in America and us as Christians can often be viewed as very judgmental people. And we can, we can debate uh, the origins of that. Um, I had a conversation with Tammy recently about a project they were working on, and, uh, and I don't remember the name of the film. She'll, I'm sure she'll tell me later. Um, that sort of explores some of that in our history. But the point is, whether that reputation is warranted or not, uh, if that's the perception, I often say for someone, uh, to a degree, your perception is your reality. And so we can jump up and down and scream and holler about how mean culture is being to us by, by putting that label on us. Or we can realize that if that's uh, some people's perception, that's their reality. And, and that doesn't mean that we need to jump in and try to correct and say, well, that's not really true and this is why. And Don't discount someone's experience or their perception. But it means that we need to actually work twice as hard. If you think of the the swinging pendulum of like a grandfather clock. You know, if, if that pendulum has been swung too far, if we've maybe been... Um, now, granted, don't hear me saying that, that Christians have never done this. There, it, we, we have been guilty. And I know, even in my own life, I have slipped into that at times. So it's not that we're totally innocent. But my point is... As the pendulum has swung too far to one way and we, there's been this perception developed that, you know, yeah, those Christians, you know, they're just a bunch of stuffy, judgmental, no fun people. Well, then we need to, we need to swing, we need to work that much harder to swing the pendulum to the other side. That we need to be serious when we say that we want to practice mercy triumphs over judgment. That's hard, right? Because the natural tendency is to judge. You see something wrong, you know, you want to call it out. I don't think that's our purpose. I think the scripture would tell us um, that oftentimes we're trying to get the speck out of our neighbor's eyes and we've got a two-by-four sticking out of our head. You know, it's like, let the Lord work on you. I think oftentimes the Lord puts people in your life or allows them to stay in your life, and we like to call them opportunities to grow in grace. You know who I'm talking about. It might be a family member, it might be a co-worker, it might be a friend. How we respond and react to those people that we find difficult is, is a pretty good indicator of, of where our spiritual growth is. Now, 
Don't hear me saying that that means it's easy. How we respond and react to people who are different than us, who, who their ideologies and their beliefs just seem like, how, how could you even get there? Like, it makes no sense. You know, and, and we, then we want to give a list of reasons why we're right and they're wrong. Don't think we're going to win any people that way. Because our purpose is not, as I told you before, our purpose is not to correct the world. Our purpose is to shine, to live our life in such a way that, that the Jesus who lives in us spills out in everything that we do, whether it be in words through a direct conversation or just the choices that we make, the ability for us to sometimes have joy in the midst of bad circumstances and, and folks noticing that. Our, our ability to shine and basically uh, ooze Jesus out everywhere we go, we have to trust him for what that's going to result in. But that's our purpose. It's not to correct the world. All right. I want to try to bring this in for a close and, and, and leave you wanting more because that's why we do a series. You know, that's, this is where we're going. So this morning, I'm just kind of trying to paint a picture of the things that we're going to be looking at and where we're going. But I wanted to share with you um, about a 90-second clip from one of my favorite cartoons um, because it illustrates a small piece of what I've been talking about, and that it takes all of us to accomplish the mission. So I'm going to go ahead and roll this clip if you guys are ready, and then I'll make some comments afterwards. Couldn't ask for a better son. Uh, hey, Jojo! Come on! Keep going! No! small extra yacht, put it over, and all the who noises burst out of the clover. I hear it, do I? All right. So, the thing that I want to draw your attention to, and I, if I didn't mention, that's from Horton Hears a Who. Um, that's one of my favorite movies. Um, but anyway, 
The thing that I want to draw your attention to, of course you notice that even though it seemed everyone was doing their thing, it took literally the very last person stepping up and doing their part to see the breakthrough. That's, that's I think, the message to us as we begin this series and as we explore, is that for many of us, we have dreams in our heart. And we recognize uh, in the season that we're in as a church that we're, we're seeking breakthrough. Now, that might mean different things to different ones of you. But we're seeking for the kingdom to break through in a new way. We're asking the Lord in this season, we love the things you've done in the past. We love the ways that you've blessed us. We love the ways that you've called each of us here. But we can't live on yesterday's bread. We're asking the Lord to break through and do something new in this season with this group of people in this time. And it takes all of us coming together and unifying to see that breakthrough happen. And the, and the other thing that I wanted to point out from that illustration is, you know, just as it started to happen there for a moment, you know, he said, can you hear? And he says, no. And everybody sort of stops. That happens to us over and over again. We believe breakthrough is coming. We see the Lord wants to do something new. Oh, we, we this happened in this meeting. And, and, and then it feels like, oh, that wasn't the breakthrough yet. Yeah, that was good. We tried, you know. You never know. Just as I said last week, let us not grow weary in well-doing. Because I guarantee you this, I've never, in my personal life and in the ministries and churches that I've been a part of, I've never, as much as we try to cultivate expectation, I've never seen God show up exactly right when I was ready for it, when I planned for it, and when I wanted it. There's always a little bit of, oh, Oh, yeah, I know we've been asking for it, but I didn't think you'd do it then. I didn't think you'd do it in that setting. But the key is for us to pursue what we're pursuing, to pursue biblical community. As Matthew 6.33 tells us, we knock and we keep knocking. We seek and we keep seeking. And the promise in that scripture is the door will be open to you. And so that's what I'm encouraging you to go on this journey with me over the next 40 days, is to knock and keep knocking, to seek and keep seeking, to ask the Lord, whatever that means. And, and, and I hope through this time that, that we can help define it too, so that we're all asking for the same things, because I, I love this uh, way of saying it. If you pray uh, generally... You might generally get answers, but if you pray specifically, you might get answered specifically. And so that's part of the process too. But I simply want to encourage you for the things that we've been asking for. Let's just press in a little more. Let's, let's ask again and see what the Lord will do. Because I believe he's promised us something unique. And, and I'm more convinced than ever that despite our challenges and our hardships, we have something unique. Again, doesn't make us superior or better than any other, but we have something unique. 
We have a unique call, a unique mission, a unique flavor. And in the same way that I'm telling you, we need each person in this local body to come together to accomplish the mission. We also need every local body in the Peoria region to, to step up and fulfill its destiny in order to see the kingdom come more fully in our community. But we only have control over our part. And, and I just want to explore that with you over these next number of weeks.